Hello. And welcome to Love, Life, Money, and a Cup of Coffee with Cody and Kathy. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Welcome back. Welcome. It's actually Tuesday morning. Yeah. It's not our typical Friday afternoon or Friday morning. Yeah, because we've been traveling and we kind of miss our Friday and or Saturday makeup session. So, yep. you know, because we overslept from all the traveling we've been doing. So, yeah, we've been out of town for the last four weeks. Yeah, pretty much in, in town for like two, three days, and then out of town for another like three or four days. So, yep. you know, it's been all work. All work. All work. No. Well, there's been some play in there, but mainly work. Yeah, mainly work. But they're good. They're good stuff. I won a really, really nice top-of-the-line putter with a nice, beautiful uh, cover on it, which I've never won. You know, that was that was exciting. That was exciting. We got yep. an award for, like, being a, an elite top producer. That was kind of cool. Pretty, yep. And so, anyway, it was, it, was, it was fun. It was good. Scottsdale. We we need to we need a place there for sure. Second home, please. You go um, produce, and then I'll <laughs> figure out the budget. Go, go and make everything. sure we can pay cash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, speaking of cash and loans, and let's let's talk for a minute. Uh, there's been some big uh, big things happening this week. Yeah. So there's been two bank failures that the has the federal government taking extraordinary actions. The U.S. Um, Federal Deposit Insurance, or as we know it as FDIC, mm-hmm. announced um, yesterday morning that it's transferred all deposits of the Silicon Valley Bank to the newly created Bridge Bank. I think they call it the Santa Clara Bank. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And customers will regain access to their money um, through that bank. Well, So that bank, which has around $175 billion dollars and deposits collapse on Friday. $175 billion Yeah. With that so B. M- making that the second largest in U.S. history, bank failure in U.S. history. The first was um, Washington Mutual in 2008. I think they were at about $300 billion mm. there. But then regulators in New York also shut down signature bank over the weekend yeah, and i don't so that's two bank failures yeah, i don't know the details on that one but well wait we'll go like the biggest one is the um silicon valley bank and then yeah. we'll go, you know like how did we get there how did these bank get there yeah well and it was interesting because our topic today was we we wanted to kind of go into detail a little bit about our industry and our business because a lot of people ask us like you know, like, what do you guys really do? Like, who, you know, yeah. you work for a bank. You That's work for, for another day now. Like, today, this well, is, like, a bigger, like, We'll get into thing. it. We'll get in. I, I'm just, I just want to hit some kind of general, you know, just to educate our, our, our folks a little bit. Yeah. On, on the business. Because this kind of ties in. But we'll we'll see. We'll see where you let me go. And where you won't let me go, you know. Well, I think today I just want to focus because... On banks because that's creating fear among our clients right now and our yeah. friends and family. Like, okay, so these banks, like Silicon Valley is the 16th largest bank in the United States and it just 
fail. So does this mean that other banks are going to fail? Like, yeah. and also like, and then, you know, we use Schwab as our custodian. Are they safe? So, you know, I, at least let's touch those bases there first before. Well, and and it, we'll it, what I wanted to address ties into that perfectly because we represent banks, we represent wirehouses, we represent insurance companies, we represent a lot of these financial service firms. And so it's important to understand who, who, who do we represent and what, what can clients expect? And, and that's exactly where you're going. So I think it'll, it'll tie in. Yep. So how did the Silicon Valley get to this point? Well, Silicon Valley as, Bank, I, as I've been looking at it, it's really interesting because when you, when we're looking at a client's portfolio, right? The, the very what's the very first thing we look at? Diversification. Diversification, and when you look at this bank, their target market was startups, and venture capitalism, and so ninety percent of the deposits were from these small venture capitalist firms, and or startup firms. Not, we're not talking Google, we're not talking Amazon, the, the, big, the big tech companies. We're, we're talking about the startups. But the, the sad part is, is if I own one of these startups and I have 100 or 200 employees and all my deposits are at that bank, the, the big fear is like, how do I pay my people, right? And, and so my heart goes out to, you know, to, the, to so many people that are, were terrified over the weekend as, as far as what, you know, and so I, I know you're going to get into this, but that that is why the government, I think, had to step in and say, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna make everyone whole on this because if if we don't, you're going to have a run on you know because people don't really understand what what happened. They're they're going to go get their money out of their their bank and figure out you know what to do. What to do? So it could cause havoc for sure. Yeah, and it's like, and some of these like start start with. The Fed's raising interest rates. Yes. Right? Yeah, I, I, I think there's really, uh, the management of the bank owns this and the government, I think, owns this because what happened is you, you know, with the Federal Reserve increasing interest rates uh, on a, over the, over the last year or two on a regular basis, and then this bank is going out and they're buying bonds essentially to back to back those deposits, right? Mm -hmm. So if, if I'm buying a three-year bond or a four-year bond, as long as I hold that bond to maturity, I, I'm not going to lose any value. But but the value of that bond anytime during during those three years could go up, it could go down depending on, on market conditions, interest rates being one. But as interest rates go up, the value of bonds goes down. So if you're buying three-year bonds... As interest rates are going, I just don't understand like who is making these decisions at this bank to continue to buy these three-year bonds, which are kind of a longer duration. Um, when when you have in interest rates in going up, the value of those bonds are getting demolished. Now, it's not a big deal as long as you as, you, as long as you leave it to maturity. But the problem was some of these companies you know venture capitalism has slowed just because money's gotten more expensive and they they're they're they needed money so they're facing cash crunch cash crunch right so they go to the bank they say hey and you get enough people doing that and so the the bank had to start selling these bonds early 
at a discount, a huge discount. And then the, the, the people that knew what was going on started to wire their money out about as fast as they could. And yeah. It, and it just. So Silicon Valley Bank last Wednesday um, sold $21 billion of bond portfolio consisting of mostly U.S. treasuries. Yep. And then the portfolio was yielding at an average of 1.79% below the current 10-year treasury yield of 3.9%. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because they so, they'd purchased the bonds like at the absolute yeah. worst time So right ever. then and there, they lost $1.8 billion. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. So when you're focused on one niche and you're continually buying bonds in the wrong environment, like... I just, I, I just, I'm blown away. Like, so, so they're already at a loss with their bonds. So, what are they trying to do? Make it up by announcing their stock sale. Stock sale. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what really scared people. So that's what happened last yeah. Thursday. That it would sell two point two five billion dollars in common equity, yep. and prefer convertible stock to fill this funding hole. Well. The shares ended trading day down 60%. Yep. And you know what? I'm okay with that. I don't feel bad for those folks, to be honest. I don't feel bad for the shareholders. I feel bad for the depositors. Mm -hmm. You know, these people that are running these businesses, they're trying to create jobs, they're trying to create activity, and it makes us competitive in the world as far as technology goes. And and so we can't allow, we can't can't allow that bank to, to not, you know, we can't allow those depositors to not get those funds back. It's just, it would, it would create a, a massive crisis. Yeah, and then with those two moves, like SVB clients are, they start pulling their money because some, you know, on some advisor's advice, like pull your money and then what does that happen? The stock sale collapse yeah. Yeah. right then and there. Well, and and it's, it's interesting because like when we sell bonds to our clients, those bonds, we, we do bond ladders, right? So they, mm-hmm. they mature at certain times that clients are going to need. So it's like, not only is your portfolio, your, not, not only is your, your clientele not diversified, your portfolio is not diversified. And it's not, it, it has nothing to do with the timing of, of the, the need of the clients. And, and that, it's just, it's malpractice. Well, it's like, you know, Having your eggs in one basket, like just holding Apple stocks or Adobe stocks, that's your whole retirement. That's your whole portfolio. Yeah. Eh. Well, and people think, well, I'm going to buy bonds because they're, they're treasury bonds. They're government bonds. They're safe. Yes, they are until you need to sell them. And, <laughs> and the value of that bond is worth a half because interest rates have gone up. So it's just, it's unbelievable to me. We, we have a lot of clients that own individual bonds, but it always comes back to three buckets, right? Like, let's, let's have plenty of cash, plenty of liquidity. If something happens, you know where you're going to get that money from. And then we go into, you know, our shorter-term bonds and longer-term bonds. And, you know, so you have buckets for, and, then, and the fact that... And it's not just buckets. It's also... You know, coming back to our philosophy, know what you own. Yeah, exactly. Quality stocks. We don't, you, you know, nobody owns zombie stocks. Well, and that's why I, I honestly don't feel a lot of sadness for, this, for the, the stockholders because 
if you're going to own that bank, you better know what they are doing. <laughs> that, that, that's our job, right? Like but, for our clients. But the thing is like, yeah, be educated, right? But that bank, like sometimes like, you know, you don't know exactly what goes on internally, which rightfully so, but what they're doing, but at least know what that bank or that company is invested in what exactly. they're doing with your money. Yep. And really, that should be the role of your financial advisor is to, you know, because we, we, at Adam, we constantly, you know, tell, tell our clients, you know, like you just said, know what you own. But it's our, it's our job to really do a lot of that work. Yeah. Right? It's our job to do the due diligence for our clients because we're both fiduciaries. Yep. Like we work for our clients, we have to do what's in the best interest of our clients. Well, maybe if you're okay with me pivoting a little bit on that, because that's kind of what I want to hit today is how, how do we how do we work and how do we operate and and you know when you're looking for a financial advisor, like what what do you need to know? Who you know? And and I think the first the first thing is who do they represent? Do they represent, you know, back in the, back in the, in before 1999, there, there was a, a law that changed and it was called the Graham-Leachy Bill of 1999, which allowed, you know, and I got in the, I, let's see, I started in the business in 97. So when I got into the business, banks could only do, sell bank products. Insurance companies could only sell insurance sure products product. and wirehouses could only sell securities. So it was, it was like these three branches and then, and then the Graham-Leachy bill came out in 1999 and it allowed banks and insurance companies and, and wirehouses to all sell each other's products. So they can co-mingle a little. <laughs> yeah, they to totally co-mingle. Yeah. And then you have these advisors that rep represented the firm, not the, not the client. Right. And so, you know, you just saw, I mean, oh my gosh. <laughs> if people, you know, still, like, if people really understood like what was embedded the fees and the and the junk that's embedded in their portfolios it just is still amazing to me that they're and 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 you actually we tell people here, here here's what you're invested in here's what you're paying to get that and they don't believe us yeah. <laughs> we had one client the other day he's like well you know he, he, we haven't really got to that discussion yet i kind of just off the cuff of my off the cuff i told him how much he was paying he he's like uh, there's no way there's no well, we'll we'll have that conversation, but but nevertheless, um, so we are fiduciaries, and 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 so I just really want to put that out because it's really it's an overused term, but it really means that we represent our client by law, so we we have to do what is it's not it's not suitable. It doesn't have you know back in the day if if I made a recommendation it had to be suitable meaning it kind of had to make some sense. Like if I could make sense out of that recommendation, uh, I, that's, that, that was my cover, my, yeah. my butt insurance, so to speak. Yep. But, but now it is one, it's law. I have, I have to yep. by law do what is in the best interest. Now what gives us that fiduciary right? What gives you the fiduciary right to tell someone by law that I'm a fiduciary? And what, you know, what's yours? CPA. Yeah, absolutely. So CPA, by law, they represent their clients. And that's why I, I really believe the CPA is the most trusted advisor when, when you ask someone, like, 
who, who do you trust? The, they, they always say they're CPA because it's always been known that the CPA is a fiduciary. Well, and all of us are bound also by the ethic, ethics standards that's set out by the industry. Of course. And, and, and that's the sad part, right? Because I'm also a fiduciary. But you have to have a specific license. In my, in my business, yeah. it's, uh, it's called a Series 65, uh, which I hold. I also am a chartered uh, retar- uh, chartered financial, financial consultant. Yep. And that also uh, puts me into that category. Yep. So with that said, it's just important to know who you're working with. But that, even as a fiduciary, doesn't mean a whole lot these days. Well, banks, like, so do banks consider themselves a fidu- fiduciary? No, absolutely not. Because yeah. they're there to... They're a they're they're a for profit business. They're, they're there to make money. Yeah, but then their banks also have investment advisors that could be fidu- acting at, in As a fiduciary. In a, re- yeah. Absolutely, yes. Right. But so there's like there seems to be like there's some type of um, slight conflict of interest in a way within like you know that one industry. Well, you have bank. retail banking. They're working with clientele and then you have commercial banking it's, it's kind of a little different but if you're working with clients and you hold specific licenses now i wouldn't say every everyone at the bank that works with clients is a fiduciary that's not the case i, I would say probably less than more are but a lot of folks that are you know have our licenses or whatever and they they are tired of working for themselves they'll go work for a fidelity or for a yeah. Charles Schwab or whatever. Yeah, and it's like, you know, with this, like, so putting this bank failure in perspective, it's like, so is there, like, chief financial officer not, like, looking at diversification? It's like, it makes me oh. wonder, like, what license do they hold and their, you know, qualifications? Because, like, you know, we always tell our clients to diversify. Like, don't put your eggs all your eggs in one basket okay like yeah they 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 probably think they're diversified because they don't have all their egg in one basket they have bonds and then they have all this aggressive but it's just like so do like risk is also an, is another reason why they fail it's that, like that's why i said it's malpractice like once yeah. they're done with us there's going to be some people that are going to have some real problems it, it's just common sense like but even though we're fiduciaries doesn't mean that we're going to be honest, <laughs> you know, the, just cause I call myself a fiduciary, uh, who, who is the, the big swindler, um, Bernanke Madoff. Okay. Yeah. He, he held a series 65, yeah. <laughs> by the way, he Bernie was Madoff, a fiduciary. Yeah. Ba- Bernie Madoff was a fiduciary. So he can go around saying I'm a fiduciary and you can, and that, that that's really meaningless. It really comes down to integrity and really and really truly doing what is in the best interest of your client not just okay i hold and this I think license that, and i think that's why we start with planning absolutely you know because like how are we going to know what's in the best interest of our clients if we don't do planning absolutely if we don't see everything we just we can't just tell you just like go buy life insurance um you know iul or go put money a Schwab and then invest in this. Like you can't, you got to look at the big picture. Yeah. So it's not just that we call ourselves fiduciary and then you can be, Oh yeah. You know, we're honest and 
trustworthy. No, it's also the process to prove yourself that Absolutely. you're a fiduciary, that you're that. really working in the best interest of, for the client. Exactly, 100%. It starts with planning and, and it really, as a client, you have to see that you are, you, you have to understand your options and be educated so that you can you can make good decisions. That, that's really our job. But I think like with this bank, the Silicon Valley Bank, um, coming back to our original, it's like, you know, they're in the Silicon Valley where everybody's like, you know, you have all this tech companies and they're just like aggressive. So I think like their target market there is also a little greedy. Yes. (laughs) Or not. So they kind of jive in like the aggressive investing environment. Exactly. And we have clients that have come from that industry that have not taken our recommendations because of that, (laughs) (laughs) because we, we work opposite. We're very risk adverse. And, and that's honestly the first thing we look at is risk. Like what risk do you yeah. have and how do we how First do we thing when doing planning is also like asking all you, asking all these boring questions about if this were to happen, what would you do? And that determine your risk um, score yep. to see what can, what type of investor you are. And then that helps and aids in the planning process. Well, not just what type of investor you are. What, how do you make decisions in your life? Like what kind of person are you? Mm-hmm. We, we do spend a lot of time on that. I know some folks get frustrated with it, but if we don't know and you don't know, it doesn't really have, matter how much money you have. And this is a great example, two, $200 billion, you would think, okay, we, we can get through this. It doesn't matter how much money it you have. It's just more for someone to take away if you're not properly allocated and they were not properly allocated. Yeah, and the same thing happened with um, Signature Bank. They didn't have diversified funding um, sources, and a lot of their deposit came from crypto firms. Yeah, yeah. And and honestly, if you want to really get to the heart of this, the crypto market has just bottomed out, and it has affected a lot of these a lot of these firms. Yeah, but Signature Bank realized their thing, so th- what they were doing and like saw what happened with um, Silicon Valley Bank. So they were just tr- like, they just looking for a buyer to raise fund, but that was unsuccessful. So, and then um, New York stepped in and shut them down. Yeah. I, I hadn't had time to really read on that. So that's, that's good information. Well, yeah, because they're like signature bank has previously suffered because of the bet on crypto mm. and you saw what, like we all see what FTX. what happened with with um yeah with crypto. Yeah. So, you know, they're just saying Well, and FTX was another financial firm that had billions that went under, you know. So it it is the government's kind of trying to calm the water at this point, but Yeah, Biden um on Monday had a made his little speech um and he is his, his little speech. <laughs> Whose speech was it? Oh, the one that was written for him to say. Okay, yeah, gotcha. No, you know. I am Joe Biden. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm joking. I'm Joe who? Uh, wait, what is that? Is that Biden? Okay. <laughs> the teleprompter. Hey, anyway. Be nice. Good. He's our president. We still have to give him respect, even mm. though there's... <clears throat> okay. Okay. Well, Move you on. know. Yep. The... So the government is not pursuing a taxpayer-funded bailout, which is good, you know, because 
do we want any more tax increase? Of course not. We Do we want to bail any more banks out? You know, in this economy, like inflation's going... Oh, they're, they're not... Let's we be clear. Not. They're not bailing out yep, this Yep, that's bank. what Biden said. What? That they are going to bail it out? They're not yeah. bailing. No, yeah, no, no, that's no. what I said. Yeah, okay. I, yeah, I just want to be clear on that because... Yep. No losses will be borne by the taxpayer, quote unquote. That's what... That's his... Biden's quote. Well, and right now they're trying to figure out what to do with the assets. You know, one concern is that your your big five banks are going to end up with well, and a they, lot of this. You know, and we learned from 2008. Yeah. Yep. Right. Absolutely. If we didn't learn from 2008, we would be like deep down under the water, well, under I, the ocean. I think it's. I think it's pretty clear that this the whoever was managing this bank, there were some lessons that were missed on that. Yeah. And then the federal reserve announced an emergency lending program to ensure banks can meet the needs of their depositors and eliminate an institution's need to quickly sell those securities in times of needs. So let's just be clear. Unless you have more than 250,000, you shouldn't be worried because the FDIC insurance covers up to 250,000 per deposit per bank. Now, we also deal with security companies like our, our firm, we use Schwab to clear all of our trades. Mm-hmm. And so do clients have any concern around, you know, is Schwab, you know, Fidelity, uh, TD Ameritrade, some of these wirehouse firms, where are we at with that? Well, so, um, yeah, so we can't really speak to about, you know, Fidelity or anybody, but we use Schwab and then and td mm-hmm. so schwab and T- so schwab purchased td so since like what 2019 so those mergers are should be done sometime this year i believe so for our clients we use schwab mainly so is schwab safe are they okay of course yes they are well not of course but yes they are they, they're pretty safe because I'm not saying it's like not a given. Like it's of not course, a given, you know, right? Yeah, but they're you know they're pretty diversified. Schwab has a broad base of high quality customers across multiple line of businesses, capital well in excess of regulatory requirements. So that that's the biggest. Yeah, that's good. Yep, and then they have high quality and relatively small loan books, and a conservative investment portfolio that is 80% comprised of securities backed by U.S. Treasuries and various government agencies. So they're pretty conservative. And then if you don't know, Schwab also has a bank. So some some people, um, especially when you open a retail Schwab account, you have the option of opening a Schwab bank mm-hmm. as well. So their Schwab bank is insured by FDIC. So more than 80% of their client cash held at Schwab Bank is insured dollar by dollar by FDIC. According to S&P Global Market Intelligence, the percentage is among the highest of the top US top 100 US banks. So as a comparison, the bank in the news the last few days have between 2 and 20% of their deposit insured. Wow. So That's good news. That's good news. And yeah, then, I mean, and plus, if you're depositing money at one of these firms, 
We use Schwab. Yep. You also have SIPC insurance, right? Which insures up to a, a half well, a million. Banks, so the bank is FDIC insured, mm-hmm. which is that last point. But the investment is um, SIPC mm-hmm. insured. Yep. So, And it's important to know that. So uh, FDIC goes up to um, 250000 SIPC insurance goes up to a half a million. Now, as a further safeguard, Schwab has access to over $80 billion in borrowing capacity with the Federal Home Loans Bank. So, which is an amount greater than all of our uninsured deposit, all of Schwab's uninsured deposits that help provide the firm significant access to liquidity. So, money is there when client needs it. So that's another assuring. Good. And then Schwab does not have any direct business with um, Silicon Valley Bank or Signature Bank. Oh, that's good. So there's no losses there. So, you know. I knew I married you for a reason. But then, you know. I mean, there's several. It's definitely at the top. You know, so Schwab is being very, you know, so they're pretty safe and they're, going to be okay and you know we also have a letter from you know schwab if anybody would like a copy that's stating all these facts and letting everybody know that their investment is safe yep yep don't panic it's uh we'll we'll get through this and yeah and there's a lot of stuff going on in the world i think it's just people are like what's the next What's the next yeah, shoe and, to drop here? And know? then a lot of banks, like, you know, our local Zions Bank came out and said, you know, they're safe. So I think it just, it just like the outliers yeah. of banks that are failing because of, you know, they're under diversified. Under diversified or very risky investment. Yep. So know what you own. Know what you own. Know what you own. Know what you own. All right. Well, was, I think we covered it. I think we got it. Yeah, but you know, if there's, if you still have fear or you're still panicking or you still don't know what to do, call your financial advisor. Start with a plan. What's your plan? Or call your financial advisor. Or and say, "Where's my plan?" Call your banker. Where's my plan? I don't care who you're talking to. What's my plan? Have you if paid they, us a they, fee? If they start talking about products, run away because it's yep. not about products. It's about a plan. It's about. It's not about a plan either. It's about you. Yes. Well, it's about what you want. Yeah. How do you? How do we make that happen? Yeah, but it's about you. I, I love it. It about me. What do you oh, want? Not our client. Not right. our client. Okay. Yeah. Who cares what what no, you want? No. It's about me. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, it's about, you know, everything we do is what does our client want and how do we help them get there? Love, leave, leave a legacy. What's the legacy you want to leave? Mm-hmm. Omit the risks. We talk about that all the time, mm-hmm. it's, but it's it's real. Value added assets. Make yep. sure you know what you own. Because so if you, you don't can, omit those risks, your asset is going to go low. You know, keep going lower and lower. Yeah, so yeah. we want to add value to that assets. And all that allows you to exit with grace. That's not the motto of Silicon Valley Bank. 
<laughs> that is true. Obviously, they don't love their client. They're not motivated by love. No. They just love their pockets and they think they can do it. Yeah, you know, it's... And they don't own Nike because they say, just do it. <laughs> well, thank you. Appreciate that clarification. Well, with that said, uh, off to uh, another week and uh, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll, we'll come back to this topic on our next podcast for a few minutes and, yeah. and see how this winds out. Winds I think up. next, next week we're going to, you know, our next podcast is going to be the secrets of the financial services industry. Oh yes. Okay. We'll get, we'll get, we'll get, into we'll that. get more in deep details, but this is more pressing and we just want to make sure that our clients and our listener that are working with us or are looking to work with us know that it's going to be okay. We're good. Everything's good. And it's not the calm before the storm. Yeah. Because, you know, there's plan A, plan B, and plan C. Yep. Amen to that, sister. Yep. Always have more than one plan. It's just like if, you know, like you're trying to go somewhere on a trip and road close, how do you get there? Turn on my ways because it gives me plan B. Yeah, sometimes you're... Oh, my way, she, she is oh, one no, she is smart not. woman, man. I love that girl. Not smarter than your wife. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's been a few times where she's proved that to be... Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Till next time, stay calm and live on. <laughs> stay calm and live on. Love it. See ya. See ya. That's it for this week's episode of Love, Life, Money, and a Cup of Coffee with Cody Kathy. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a thing. This is Cody and Kathy wishing you a love-filled life full of prosperity. Have a good week. Peace out. Peace out.